Welcome to Fanboy and the Hater, a podcast hosted and produced by Mike Hall and Jim Harris, where we discuss the best and worst in movies, TV, and pop culture, edited by Jim Harris, and music by Mike Hall. Mike Hall here. Today, we are going to talk about the Man of Steel, the last son of Krypton, the man of tomorrow, the big blue Boy Scout, <laughs> Supes, Kal-El, Clark fucking Kent. We're talking about Superman. Jim is not with me today. Instead, we have uh, one of our friends, uh, Reese, is joining us. I'm going to let you say your last name because I don't want to butcher it. I don't know if I've ever said your last name out loud, if you want to <laughs> say it. Uh, Munger, like younger with an M. All right. So... Reese has, has been a good friend for a while. He requested that we do this episode on Superman after listening to our Batman episode. And I, I know you, you can test this. You claim that you know your parents and they told you the real story, but your name, Reese, it's, it's unique. And I believe that you are named after Kyle Reese from The Terminator. <laughs> and I don't care what your parents say. That's the truth. Moving on. Superman. <laughs> My mother doesn't even know where I'm named from anymore. I confronted her once, and she said, that's a lie. There was a book by uh, Catherine Kurtz, the Darwini, Darwini, I did pronounce that right, series, where one of the characters' name is Reese Michael. And when I was younger, she told me I was named after it. And then years later, when talking about my name, I mentioned it, and she had no clue what I was talking about and had never heard of the books before, even though they were on her bookshelves years ago. <laughs> All right, so Kyle Reese it is. So today we're talking about Superman. So let's let's start off with how long have you been a fan of Superman? Oh gosh, 32 now, so we'll go with 25 years. 25 years. Now, I I've, I like Superman. I, I'm a fan of Superman. I am not as in-depth in knowledge of Superman as I am with other characters. I, I've always been a Marvel guy. I was never really much of mm -hmm. a DC. I really like Batman, so I've, I've divin dove into Batman quite a bit. But I've never really done a deep dive into Superman. I'm pretty familiar with the character, obviously, because he's everywhere. Mm -hmm. But I, I wouldn't consider myself a big Superman fan. So. We'll have to uh, apologize to any fans or fanatics out there who I uh, offend. Because while I love Superman, I don't claim to be a subject matter expert on him. So if I misquote a story or something, just please forgive me. <laughs> you know what? I, I say that's good because... Uh, in most cases, I find if somebody claims to be an expert, they barely know anything about the subject. Yeah. I, I'm exaggerating slightly on that, but I don't like it when people claim to be experts. Well, there's, there's always somebody that knows more than you, and it really depends on context, especially when you're talking about comic books. Um, I admit I, I'm a big comic book fan, but I haven't read a lot of the books. A lot of what I get comes from animated stuff, um, and then I've kind of read books to supplement that. Um, mm -hmm. So Superman especially, most of my Superman knowledge comes from animated things. Okay. So how did, what drew you to Superman? How did you get started as a Superman fan? I have an uh, uncle who works as an artist at Hallmark uh, making greeting cards. And since he was young, he's been, as I said, an artist. 
and he can draw all the heroes like perfectly and he loves spider-man dc marvel superman batman um indie comics everything and he was the one who gifted me my first comics he even has written a few of his own uh halo and the sprocket little plug there all right <laughs> do you have copies of them um i do have copies of it somewhere um that particular one has to do with a robot who's been given sentience by his creator and heaven has given him a guardian angel to follow him around, and he's also living in the house of a young woman. And so it's their interactions with like daily things, like she wakes up on the couch one day, and the, uh, the robot's sitting there, and she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, your nose is making the most interesting whistling sound as you slept. <laughs> <laughs> where, where can people get a hold of these? Uh, I think you can still find them online. I don't know if they're in print anymore. Uh, he's moved on to other things. Uh, most recently, he's uh, been working with uh, Mad Magazine, doing uh, comic strips for them. Neat. Yeah, I'm going to have to, if I can't find them, I'll have to uh, borrow them from you so I can give them a read. Um, so what, what about Superman in particular really made you latch on to it? You said your uncle used to draw them and, and everything, so you... Mm -hmm. That really initially drew you to it, but re what really about Superman drew you in? Um, it's kind of the everyday part of Superman, the Clark Kent, how he goes from being a mild-mannered reporter to being the Man of Steel. And People how can't see your air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> how he can go from uh, an everyday persona to being the man of steel and still holding on to his ideals of truth, justice in the American way with more air quotes <laughs> <laughs> and how he's just kind of a good person, even in normal situations. Yeah. What? So you're more of a fan of Clark Kent than you are Superman. I would say I love the action in Superman. I love the villains he fights but yeah it's really like the persona of clark kent that so kind of the the humanity involved with it. yeah the humanity and the man of steel how do you see the differences how how superman and clark kent relate to each other or do they relate to each other or how they differ how do you see that well in your batman podcast you spoke about how batman is the core persona for bruce wayne and how Bruce Wayne is the support for Batman. Mm -hmm. Good examples, like even when Batman's sitting at a computer typing, he's in his bat suit. Whereas Clark Kent is um, Clark Kent for the majority of the day, and it's only when he has to go out and save somebody that he dons the cape to protect his secret identity and those of his friends around him. Um, however, you cannot separate Superman from Clark Kent once he's after the first time he's donned the cape because it does become part of who he is and uh, just a separate part of him than Clark Kent. Mm -hmm. So they're both the same person, but they're different aspects of the same person. There was a stand-up comedian, and I really wish I could remember who it was. Um, I talk about it all the time. Um, I really wish I could remember who it was. But he talks about how, to him, Clark Kent is how he views people. That, that's what Superman does to blend in as he becomes Clark Kent. So in his view, people are 
bumbling fools that are kind of hunched over and and shuffling around slowly mm-hmm. and and are kind not super intelligent and stuff like that. And I thought that was a really interesting way to think about it because again, this guy also talks about how most superheroes they wake up as whoever their secret identity is and then they they put on the suit to become the next the other person. So even Bruce Wayne wakes up Bruce Wayne but then he puts on the suit to become Batman, although in his mm-hmm. head he's Batman. <laughs> but Superman is always Superman. His costume is Clark Kent. I would have to say I disagree 100%. Um, he is Clark Kent, period. Uh, he grew up in Smallville from the time he was, I think generally um, they agree around three years old is when he came over. Um, and he was raised by Jonathan and Martha Kent, who instilled in him... Why did you say that name? <laughs> Martha? <laughs> Sorry, I can't hear the name Martha without doing that. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it was kind of silly in the movie. But... um. <laughs> All of his morals are instilled by them. Um, It's actually one of the reasons, one of the things I hated in the newest Superman standalone movie was there's a moment where Clark Kent as a kid saves a bus full of children and the children in his class with him see him and he asks his dad, should I have done it to protect his identity? And his dad says, I don't know, son. I don't know. And I absolutely hated the movie after that because that is not something they should have had him say, Jonathan Kent. His answer should have been, yes, it's always right to save the people. Huh, that's an interesting take. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think, I I guess I always took that part in that movie as you shouldn't do that stuff until you decide who you want to be. And because you can't take it back once it's done that's true so that that's i guess i enjoyed that you're talking that's that's in man of steel right yes yeah i actually really enjoyed that movie um Mm -hmm. i I think uh as as i enjoyed the movie but like i kind of lost it from the movie there like steps back from the movie Would, would you consider that being one of the the worst things to happen to the character no no what is the worst thing that ever happened to the character the next Superman movie. <laughs> Batman versus Superman in the Justice League. Really? Yeah. They um they take the Doomsday fight and they cram it into a small part of the movie. Uh they twist it and type uh, bizarrely. No. Um <laughs> The Man of Steel, the Superman clone is a common uh, origin story for Bizarro. Like somebody tries to make a clone of Superman and it gets twisted by its own like genetics and nature and becomes bizarro. Yeah. And in that movie they made that doomsday. There's a lot of uh clones of Superman going there around. There are. Um, the uh I think the original Doomsday, if I remember correctly, was a um s- experiment on evolution and I can't remember if it was motivated motivated by war or motivated just by scientist curiosity. But on this planet that had extremely harsh conditions, they just kept like in, uh, experimenting, experimenting on these creatures and had them fight each other until basically one survived. And then it was so strong they couldn't kill it. So they attached to a rock 
or a little sphere and toss it off into space where it eventually lands on Earth, goes on a rampage, and then eventually kills Superman. And the big thing about this in comic book history is that he was the Man of Steel. He is so powerful that although, you know, sometimes somebody might give him a bloody nose or something or beat him up a little bit, like, they don't beat him. And so it was the first time that I'm aware of that he died in comic books. So when that happened, this is kind of a little side story to that. When that happened, that book came out. I was so excited for it. I wanted it so bad. And my mom got it for me. I think it was for my birthday or something like that. And she didn't realize that this had happened, but she gave it to me. And, and if you don't know, that book came in a sealed plastic bag. Mm-hmm. because inside of it was like an armband and like some other stuff that kind of came with it. And I agonized, you know, I, I don't remember. I oh, was probably like okay. eight or nine years old or something. And I agonized because I really wanted to read it, but I knew it would lose value if I opened it. Right. And I agonized for weeks and I finally opened it up because I was like, you know what? I don't care what it's worth later. I want to read this story. And I read it and it was awesome I, I think that's the first time i ever cried to a story in my life the ending of that was so beautifully done and then i was just like oh i ruined the value of this and i was just, i was heartbroken for a really long time well fast forward to when i was in college and i i got to a point where i was so broke i was actually going to sell some of my comic books so i could pay rent mm-hmm. um and i i looked up the values of it and it was like opened it was worth like 30 bucks but unopened it was worth like 300 or something like that and I called my mom. I was like, oh, man. And I, I kind of explained to her the value thing. And she goes, oh, yeah? Next time you're over at your dad's house, look in the closet. I went over there. I looked in the closet, and there was two more issues in perfect condition sitting in the back. And I was like, I love you, Mom. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so I've got... Uh, Good job, parents. Right? So I've got two completely unopened, <clears throat> mint condition copies of The Death of Superman. Nice. Um, and one open that I've read a bunch of That's times. That's always... Anytime you buy a figure, that's kind of, as a, as a fan, and knowing that type of information, you have that little battle, like whether it's a pot vinyl or a, a, a posable action figure or something, like, do I leave this in the case? And I'm always the type, like, no, I just tear it out and put it up or something. Well, the issue now is, yeah. and I, I've run into this with a couple of things that I actually did collect, is so many people are collecting them now, the values aren't going up. Yeah. Well, that was... Beanie Babies. Right, exactly. That's a prime example. Right and that, that was amazing marketing by the creator. Like, he purposely put out false information yep. that it was limited edition, and he wouldn't release every Beanie Baby to every seller's location. And so you would think, I have to go to this location to get it. And there were literally people who would spend their kids' college tuition, like that they had put aside to buy Beanie Babies, who thought that in five to ten years they could resell them and then pay for all of their kids' college tuition, and they were worthless. Yep, absolutely worthless. Well, going back to uh, Doomsday, I always understood it that it was de- Doomsday was developed as a war weapon, where they, could, they developed it so it wouldn't okay. die. And basically the idea behind Doomsday is if he, does, if he is killed or stopped, he develops an immunity he, to being killed that way. He continues way, evolving. And then continue, yeah. Yeah, continues evolving and keeps going. Mm-hmm. So the idea was they develop this creature and they could just drop it on an enemy planet and this creature would eventually just destroy every, all life on that planet. Right. And then they could recapture it and send it somewhere else. 
and in doing so, it ended up coming to Earth and fighting yeah. Superman. And and even once they kill it there, they realize that it's regenerating, or I can't quite remember. And they do the same thing. They attach to a rock eventually and toss mm. into space. I think they were trying to throw it to the sun or something, but it gets you know, uh, diverted. Off, yeah, diverted off course. And eventually and, goes out into the solar system, like the edge of the solar system, circles back. And eventually comes back to Earth. And when it does, Doomsday is a little smarter and more powerful. And if I remember correctly, I think that's when you have an evil Superman crossover from another world. Which one? <laughs> where that Superman had literally, he would just lobotomize people with his X-ray vision. Mm-hmm. And he ends up doing that to Darkseid too. And so now Darkseid has no mind because it's been destroyed and he's kind of a vegetable. And I think the next appearance of Doomsday, I said Darkseid, sorry, Doomsday. The next appearance of Doomsday, he's smart and he can talk because this time his brain evolved because it was destroyed. Yeah. And so like this is a creature that keeps evolving and keeps getting stronger in a different way. Yeah. Uh, Doomsday is a very interesting character. At first it was just a blunt, basically Hulk yeah. And uh, has evolved quite a bit, and you can't beat him the same way twice. And yeah, it's it's very interesting. Um, I'm going to back up a little bit. So in your opinion, the worst thing to ever happen to Superman... <laughs> Besides dying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. He does die in that movie. No. Yeah, so it, it's, it's how they killed him, and kind of in Justice League, the way they bring him back kind of diminishes all of the Justice League's accomplishments to me because they're fighting... What's the character in Justice League? The villain. Oh, 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 Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf, thank you. Yeah, they're fighting Steppenwolf. He keeps kicking their asses. And in the final battle, like, Superman shows up and he kicks Steppenwolf's butt. Yeah. While they're all fighting the parademons. I would say that's pretty standard for Justice League. They always kind of have to find a way that Superman can't be part of the battle till the end. Yes, whereas I thought... There should have been a movie between. There should have been a movie that could have set up Justice League. I definitely You could have called it something like Metropolis, Rise of the Heroes or something, and you could have still incorporated the Dark Side story. You could have had, like, little lieutenants coming down searching for the boxes before Steppenwolf or something. And you could have introduced heroes that weren't, you know, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, Aquaman, or Batman. And then when Justice League came around, you would have had many superheroes yeah they definitely rushed all that yeah um that that's my only complaint i and i'll say it over and over and over again i go back and rewatch them mm-hmm. and the more i go back and rewatch them the more i like them so yeah. i'm 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 big on the snyder cut i would like to see the original version. everyone wants to <laughs> just out of curiosity i don't expect it to be any yeah he says he but, says there is no cut though like it was well, not he safe. said that but now it's coming back that he was kind of forced to say that and there actually is a cut ah so that's what I've been hearing lately is there, there's movement that it might come yeah. out. We'll see. I don't know. It, it, it'd be dumb for them to not. With as many people want to see it, mm-hmm. it'd be dumb for them to not put it out at some point. It, it's just sitting there right now not making money. Might as well make money on it. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, the worst thing that ever happened to Superman was uh, they decided to reinvent him, and he became like electrical <laughs> Superman. I like those stories. Uh, they, I, <laughs> but mean, I haven't they, read them in I haven't read them in twenty years. So. There were some good stories there, but yeah. it's like really you you've 
that's not really Superman anymore. Then he splits into two at one point, and there's the red one and the blue one. I think yeah, that had something to do with Kryptonite. There's been a lot of worse yeah, things in those movies happen to Superman in my According opinion. According to Wikipedia, there's <laughs> 23 kinds of Kryptonite. Wow, that's uh, a lot of Kryptonite there. Yeah. So after talking about the worst thing, I think we should probably talk about the, the best thing. So what, what's your favorite Superman story? Um, I just reread them. And I liked uh, Superman 700 to, I don't know where the story ends. I didn't get that far. But um, basically after the uh, explosion on New Krypton that uh, destroys it, uh, he comes back to Earth and he feels he's disconnected from the people. And so he just lands and starts walking. And at first, like all the reporters are mobbing him, like, you know, what's the big crisis? Like, what are you going to stop? Like, what is this accomplishing? And he's like, I'm just walking. I'm curing cancer by walking. Yes. Because you can do that. <laughs> yep. Nope. He's uh, just trying to reconnect. Like, he starts off by using his X-ray vision to help a guy who's uh, working on his car. He's like, the fuel line's been cut. And then, like, he's walking by and he sees a guy and he's like, oh, looking at your heart. Uh, you should call your doctor now. But it also, like, he also randomly encounters a group of aliens that are refugees and hiding on Earth. And their first response seeing him is to attack him with a giant war machine because... Because, of course. Because they're afraid that he's there to, like, take them in or something. Huh. Yeah. That does sound interesting. I might have to check that out. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah. is there, like, a, a big, like, villain at the end of it? I guess you said you haven't... I haven't gotten to the end of it yet. Yeah, I was just rereading it um, last few days. That's interesting, though, because mm-hmm. that's... To me, that's one one issue with Superman is he's just so godlike. Yeah. It's got to be difficult to connect. Well, especially if you've been away and you're coming back and... Mm-hmm. Well, it's like as, as Clark Kent in that situation, he has... Clark Kent has a life. Clark Kent has friends. Clark Kent, at that point, has a wife. Like, he's married to Lois Lane at that point in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, many times in the comics, but... Um, yeah. And so, like, Clark Kent connecting with the normal people of Earth is like me saying, well, yeah, I connect with the people in Russia. It's like, I have no interaction with Russia. Like, why would I connect with them? Right. Whereas Superman can literally fly anywhere he wants as fast as he wants, and he could be anywhere in the world, and he rescues everybody in the world. But what connection does Superman have to the normal, everyday person? Yeah, that's that's interesting. And then actually what, what you just said there about, you know, he, he can he's so powerful, and he can kind of just see and hear and know everything that's going on and everything as Superman. It, it comes up a lot, and I kind of I want to get your opinion on this too, because I... I think it's a very interesting way of thinking about things. If Superman is able to see and hear, like he can fly up into space and hear everything that's going on, and he he has to mm-hmm. decide what to go do, basically he's deciding who lives and who dies and when he can act. So as part of that, when he is having his life as Clark Kent, he's deciding he's going to let people get hurt and let people die so that he can have a life. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the plot devices I kind of saw when he was walking around is he was encountering those situations where um, a bus, there's a traffic wreck and a bus drives off a bridge in, you know, 
I don't remember where he was. He might have been in Des Moines at the time. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like um, he just encounters these situations that aren't actually normal everyday occurrences. You know, mm-hmm. things situations that only Superman could have stopped. And it's kind of a plot. So like you could say that, yes, there's always traffic accidents happen. Like he could run over here and get this person to the hospital 10 minutes sooner than potentially save their life. But at the same time, it's kind of the whole, what's the role of the everyman's hero, like the firemen, Mm -hmm. the policemen, you know, the paramedics. Like at what point does he try and rip himself apart trying to save everybody or take a step back? Right. I guess along with that too, is at what point is he playing God deciding who lives and who dies? I mean, what's, what is his role as Superman? Is he there... Is he here to protect people from larger threats? Mm-hmm. Or is he there to save as many lives and to make everybody's life better as much as he possibly can? It comes down to knowing that he himself, knowing that he is a symbol, and knowing that, yes, he can't save everybody, and even if he tries, he's going to fail. Because mm-hmm. he is only one person, and he is not omnipotent. Depends on what storyline. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so he can't save everybody. Um, but knowing that he's a symbol, he can do the best that he can and try and be the Boy Scout that he's called, mm-hmm. the uh, moral high ground person, which is a reason that some people don't like him. Right, yeah. Lex Luthor. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I know a lot of yeah. comic book fans that that's they don't like Captain America and they don't like Superman because they don't believe that there's a possibility that anybody can be that good all the time. Mm-hmm. And they just, they can't connect to that character. So I, I, to me, I'm like, well, what's going on in your life that, what are you hiding that you can't connect to somebody being good? It's kind of um, him acting as a mirror. So when you look at a character that's portrayed so good and so truthful, and then you look at your own life and you see the little white lies that you tell you know, and sometimes you tell yourself you're doing it to save somebody's feelings or something like that. Right. But when you're using Superman as a mirror, it doesn't work because he is a fictional character. And no, I'm going to take a step back. Comparing your life or yourself to a character like that, like, you know, Mahatma Gandhi or a truly moral person who has used their life to better the world even at the risk of their own life, you will fall short because you don't have necessarily that adversity in your life. Like you're not trying to stop apartheid. You're not trying to stop segregation. You're not trying to, you know, change the world with your views by going on a hunger strike and drawing attention to a problem. Like your normal everyday life is... And I've lost myself in this commentary. <laughs> I don't know where I was going. Uh, connecting to Superman. So yeah. you're not going through all of those things. So comparing yourself to those people that are going through those things doesn't make sense. Right. So almost like I'm going to kind of bring it around to comparing yourself to Instagram models and stuff. That That's actually a very good they, point. They only portray themselves in a way that they want to be seen. So you can't really compare yourself to that because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Comparing yourself to somebody like Superman or Captain America, you're not living their life. You haven't seen what they've seen. You haven't lived what they've lived. Yeah. 
So there's no way you're going to compare. There's no way you can compare yourself to them right. in a clear way. It's a dirty mirror. One of my favorite things that Superman's ever done, um, it's actually in, I believe is the animated Justice League War, uh, mm-hmm. which is basically based off the uh, Justice League, the new 52 introduction of Justice League, okay. where they all kind of meet. But th- the line is only in the animated movie, but basically Doomsday comes in, and they start fighting, and Superman is, is fighting Doomsday and realizing Doomsday, or not Doomsday, Darkseid, uh, is fighting Darkseid and realizes how powerful Darkseid is. Mm-hmm. And I really wish I could remember the quote. I, I meant to look it up before I started, but I didn't. But basically, he starts kind of punching him and, and realizes what he's going to have to do to stop him. And he goes, I spend my entire life living in a cardboard world. I have to be careful all the time so I don't accidentally break everything. But this is a rare opportunity where I get to let off some steam because you can take it, can't you, big boy? And just mm-hmm. starts unleashing on Dark Side. The idea that because he's so powerful, he has mm-hmm. to tiptoe and and just be very careful because anything that he does, I mean, he he could literally sneeze and take out a building if he's not too mm-hmm. careful. So everything that he does, he has to be so careful all the time to not accidentally hurt everything. The the amount of concentration mm-hmm. and focus that that entails. I just think that's an interesting aspect of the character, but also being the way that I am, I also really like when Superman unleashes when he there's goes a, when he goes all red eye and just freaks out. There's another example where he's fighting Darkseid, and I could not find where this is. And it's at this point, Darkseid has fought Superman many times, but Darkseid does something and it pisses Superman off, and Superman quits holding back. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a completely one-sided fight where Superman is kicking Darkseid's ass, and it's yep. and Darkseid's like, "What? How? How are you so powerful suddenly?" And it's like, "You finally made me angry. I've quit holding back." Yeah, something similar happens. I actually yeah. just rewatched it in uh, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. Have you ever seen or read that? I've not. So the idea behind that is uh, Lex Luthor becomes president, and he starts. He, he basically. Mm-hmm makes Superman an outlaw and he yeah. starts, he recruits a bunch of other superheroes to fight, to, to try to arrest mm-hmm. Superman. Well, while all this is happening, there's a giant piece of uh, kryptonite. Basically it's a meteor that's about to destroy the earth mm-hmm. and he's trying to stop that Superman and Batman are trying to work together to stop it. Cause they know that Lex probably won't. There's a lot going on. And during this whole thing, Lex Luthor is basically juicing up with a cocktail of kryptonite so that mm-hmm. he can try to take Superman and they're fighting and, and Lex Luthor has his suit on and everything. So he's super powerful and he's actually beating Superman. And during that process, um, basically they work with a, a kid that goes by toy man who had developed this huge robot. That's kind of half Batman, half Superman and Superman and Batman are going to use this, this robot to go destroy the meteor because they can use it remotely well, Lex Luthor destroys the controls to do it remotely. So Batman jumps in it and takes off to manually do it. Mm-hmm. And once Batman takes off, Superman turns to Lex Luthor and goes, you just killed my best friend. And Lex Luthor's just like, oh, shit. And Superman just starts beating the living crap out of him. And I, I just think that's, that's a really interesting thing, too, of Superman holds back so much 
but there's a line. Mm-hmm. And eventually you cross that line when you mess with somebody he really cares about. Um, and I think that's also an interesting thing to talk about here. Um, the relationship between Superman and Batman. Mm-hmm. Have you really gotten into that? Do you, do you read much on that? They interact in almost every story eventually. Um, comic books, animated series. Let, let me kind of... Okay. Uh, there's a couple of different aspects that I really like. Because it changes yeah. in, in different media. Sometimes they're really good friends. Sometimes they don't really like each other. I, I really like in, in uh, Doom, uh, which is basically... A group of villains steals Batman's plans on how to neutralize the Justice League, but then they alter the plans to kill the Justice League. Um, but they don't realize there's, uh, I think it's Cyborg was there that they didn't, he didn't have a plan for yet because he didn't really exist yet. And basically, um, the idea of how he was going to stop Superman was basically shoot him with a kryptonite bullet. Right. So somebody does that, and then because after everything's solved, the Justice League is deciding whether or not to vote Batman out of the Justice League because he had these contingencies plans. Yeah. And basically Batman's like, if you can't understand why we need these contingencies plans to neutralize any one of you if you go wrong, then you then I don't belong in the Justice League. Right. And he and just then, leaves. Yeah, you're telling me that the next part. How? Uh, yeah, so the next part, Superman confronts yeah. him and is like, hey, what's your plan for you if you go bad? And he looks at Superman and goes, you. You all, yeah. <laughs> and Superman's like, that's all I needed to know, and hands him back the kryptonite bullet. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, so the dichotomy there is like they, they don't really like or fully understand each other, but they respect each other in a way that most people don't. You and, could draw one of the common themes with Lex Luthor and, and Batman in this case is that Neither of them trust Superman with the power he has on Earth. I think you'd be stupid to completely yeah. trust him. Yes. And, you know, one of the qu- questions that you wanted to ask me was, like, is Superman too powerful? And my first answer, my first thought is yes, he's too powerful. But then once I started, like, reading Reddit threads and reading Wiki, I realized that, like, um, and reading other people's response, I realized that I, I was wrong. He's not too powerful. That just has to do with how somebody writes him or what type of story they're doing. Is it going to be an action story? Is it going to be a Superman Clark Kent story? Is it going to be, you know, this interaction? They've built in a lot of weaknesses for him, too. So he is incredibly powerful. And I realized that it wasn't that I thought he was too powerful. It was a bit of superpower envy. You know, like, I wish (laughs) I had that much power. And then, like, there was also that little thread of fear that I actually had to think about of, like, if there was really somebody that powerful in the world, like, I would be afraid of him. Like, no matter how good he was or how, like, the comic book Superman and how moral he was, there would still be that fear. Yeah. Uh, again, I think you'd be stupid not to fear it a little bit because, mm-hmm. I mean, he's been mind-controlled. He's done terrible things. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody's absolutely perfect, and, and neither is he. And he um, encounters evil versions of himself all the time. Right, right, right. Who have taken over the world or have killed everybody who went against him. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, too, because they are so different, Superman and Batman. They're so different, and they do things so differently. There, there was, I don't know, have, did you ever watch the Superman the Animated Series? Oh, I yeah. That definitely. tied into the Batman Animated Series? Yeah, I grew up watching it. Yeah, so 
I actually went back and rewatched it because I I actually struggled yesterday when I was getting ready for this. I I knew that this thing had happened somewhere, and I spent hours trying to find where it happened <laughs> so I could rewatch it. Um, and it actually ended up not living up quite to what I had in my head. But it's uh season three episode two, mm-hmm. um, Night Falls, is the episode name, and Superman the animated series. And basically, what happens is uh, Superman or uh, Batman disappears. And Superman is trying to find him, works with Robin, and realizes that Gotham's being overrun by crime, crime speed because everybody knows that Batman's gone. So Superman dresses up as Batman <laughs> to show up. And, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, and so like one of the first things, he goes to meet Commissioner Gordon. He's like, hello, Commer- Commissioner, and smiles, and they just kind of look at him funny. And he's like, oh. And, just kinda, and then he goes back to grimacing, and uh, he, he goes to leave, and he's trying to find, he can't find his grapple gun. And Robin's like, it's on your right side. <laughs> <laughs> just little things like that of there's um a little sh- a bit of a comic i don't know which comic it was but it's like where superman and batman are going to interrogate deadshot <laughs> and superman wants to be the bad cop and so he's like goes in and he like gets right in his face and he's like you know where is this what are your plans and then like batman shows up and he's like coffee and it Starts freaking out, <laughs> dead shot, and then Superman like tries to take the light and put it in his face and like scare him, and then Batman shows up, donut, <laughs> and it freaks him out so much that he is like, "I'm just what? What the hell's going on? This is not what? What is he doing? What's Batman doing? Why is he being so nice? It's creeping me out. I'm just gonna tell you," and he just tells them all the plans. Yeah, that's they've got that in one of the animated somethings. Yeah, yeah. That's I love that too. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's like Batman is even creepier when he's trying to be nice. Right, right. Um, I don't want to make this too much about about Batman. There's some other things I know. Go yeah. on. Let's 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 jump back. So, uh, are there any other Superman stories that you really really like really connect to? Um, as I said, I, I'm more connect with Clark Kent, and there are actually. The live action series, you have uh, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, mm-hmm. where like Clark Kent first comes to Metropolis and he's not Superman yet. Like he knows he wants to come to the big city. He didn't feel like he was accomplishing anything in small town, you know, Kansas. First off, he stops a speeding a bus that's like the brake lines have been cut or have broken or something and it's out of control. But he's in Clark Kent. Like, he's wearing his normal everyday clothes, and so he's got to rush off before being seen. And this keeps happening and happening until he finally adopts the Superman persona. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes kind of two sides of the same person with Lois. Because Lois begins by falling in love with Superman, because why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Whereas Clark almost immediately knows that he, he likes her and develops feelings very fast for her. And she does too, but she, because of her persona... Mm-hmm doesn't see herself in marriage or in a relationship except with Superman because right, right. it's easier to see yourself. With She's a, larger than life. He's larger than yeah. life. Yeah. And so it's kind of like the, the dichotomy of the Superman and Clark Kent story mm-hmm. and surrounding Lois Lane and how, you know, yeah, he wants to flirt with Lois as Superman, but he also wants to flirt with her as Clark Kent. And he doesn't know how. And so, you know, there's constantly calling back to his parents or visiting his parents and getting life advice for, from them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, how am I supposed to balance them both 
while still living a normal life. And then the second one with 10 seasons is Smallville. Mm-hmm. And that's a teenage Clark Kent growing up in a small town and dealing with normal teenage things while in that one, Kryptonite uh, mutates humans and gives them powers. And so he's constantly dealing right. with Kryptonite-enhanced people while also living the normal life. Right. He doesn't even adopt the Superman cape until like the last episode of season 10. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah, I never watched either of those series. I, I, I started to watch a couple of them, and it was just too soap opera-y for me. Mm-hmm. So I never really got into them. I'll, I'll probably try again eventually, but I just couldn't, couldn't focus on it. I, I really like the... I guess the stories that I like are, are less the Clark Kent and more just the big epic fights and, and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And one thing that I always found very interesting about Superman that's not explored nearly as often as, as I would like, and I believe it's... Uh, oh, man, they, they, they dive into a little bit in one of the animated ser- or movies. I can't remember which one it is, if it's uh, Superman versus the Elite... Or if it's all-star Superman. Anyways, the idea is uh, Superman had uh, absorbed... He had to fly into the sun. All-star Superman. Is that all-star Superman? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he'd absorbed too much of the solar radiation. He was dying. Yes. And uh, he, one of the things he was trying to finish up before he dies is he wanted to cure cancer. Mm-hmm. And it dives into the fact that his entire family, Kryptonian family, were scientists. And he was also a scientist. Yes. And he had been doing things on a science level to try to save humanity. But I don't think that's explored nearly as often as I, I would really like to have more stories or maybe there are, there exist, they exist and I just haven't read them, but stories yeah. where, where Superman and Batman work together on a science base That'd to, be nice. to try to fix things. In one of the newer comics, I think in the last couple of decades, um, they show a child Clark Kent and a child Lex Luthor who knew each other. And Lex Luthor is showing is like brilliant. He's the man of the year every year as an mm-hmm. adult, and Lois and Clark is what they call him. But he is Lex Luthor is supposed to be the most intelligent human alive when he becomes older. And he says, Clark says something like, you know, oh, you're so much smarter than me. And Lex says, no, you're just as smart as me. And Clark responds, no, I just read faster. And it's huh. and kind of in in that situation, it's saying that Superman is smart, but he's not like genius level smart. He's just literally has the speed to read through materials and learn them faster because of his speed, mm-hmm. as opposed to being able to make the logical leaps on that. In all Star Superman, it is one of the most powerful Superman, and he is the full scientist. Um, as he's dying, he has uh, somebody came to him and said that he would do seven great feats and defeat the tyrant son and do these other things. And so in the last months of his life or weeks of his life, he's going through and doing it. Mm-hmm. He cures can He doesn't cure cancer, but he, um, doesn't works. he set it up? So his like robots can continue the research or something like that. Candor, the bottled city. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, he works with the miniaturized Kryptonians and a fleet of them come That's out, right. and they're uh, you know microscopic, and they fly into the cancer ward and cure these kids of cancer mm-hmm. as one of his you know final feats before he dies. Such a good guy. 
He goes to Lex Luthor at one point, and Lex Luthor's on death row three weeks away from being executed. And he says, you win, Luthor. I'm dying. You've always told me that you could do such great things for humanity. Well, now's your chance. And Lex Luthor spits on the glass between them. Yeah. Well, let's 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 yeah. take that right turn and talk about a little bit the the dynamic between Lex Luthor and Superman. Because mm-hmm. the way I always understood it, the reason Lex Luthor really hates Superman is because if it, Superman wasn't there, Lex Luthor would be the smartest, most intelligent, basically the most perfect person on the planet. Yeah. But because Superman exists, he's overshadowed, and he doesn't want to be overshadowed. And that kind of led him to almost insanity of mm-hmm. he hates Superman to that point. Lex Luthor loves power. He loves having power over other people. And he has a plan for how to get to those locations. You know, eventually, I think in the comics, he becomes president three times of the United States in different comics. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, as I said, like in Lois and Clark, one of the first things they say about him is before Superman comes and Superman takes all the headlines, Lex Luthor was man of the year every year. His portrayal to the uh, normal person is a philanthropist. Like he donates millions of dollars to parks, to charities, to orphanages. Mm-hmm. Whereas his private life is he'll do almost anything to get to power. And that includes killing people or, you know, in that series, at one point, he uses the bleed off from his new power plant that's being built in the middle of Metropolis to raise the temperature of the entire city every time Superman does something super. And then they start blaming Superman for it. And so he, you know, runs Superman out of the city. And his plan is that once Superman's gone, he'll just shut that down. His plant will come up and he'll move on with life. Right. Whereas, of course, he gets caught. Right. But again, a lot of that has to do with his insanity. And the the evil that he does is more based around trying to get rid of Superman so that he can be the best. Well, I, I said he had no bottom line or he had a bottom line, but he doesn't. He'll do anything for power, anything to prove that he is the best player. And until Superman shows up, he is. Right. Like, no one even suspects him of doing any nefarious deeds to... Because he doesn't have to. Well... And because he is the best without, other than Bruce Wayne. Yes. But it's when, uh, in Lois and Clark, there's a new research satellite that's going up. He sabotages the launches of it. And the point is, like, once the government backs off from the program, he's going to put forward his money and launch his own satellite up there to finish the space station so that he'll have, yeah. when things are being cured, it's through LexCorp. When so things are being, I guess it depends yeah. on the storyline. and what, yeah. yeah. But, and that is in a lot of storylines, like, he is smart enough to cure cancer. He is smart enough to cure the common cold, you know. Yeah. He is smart enough to end world hunger. But, but he's also one of those guys that he would develop. How would that then, give him power? Yeah. He'll like, develop that stuff and then sell it back or you a know. lesser version of it. Uh, yeah. You know. Almost like if in the real world somebody develops drugs that would help people that are sick and then they like just extremely <coughs> raise the prices and all yep. kinds of evil things. That EpiPen. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Marked up like 600%. That's a whole nother road. Yeah, a um, whole nother road. <laughs> but yeah, I just I, I think it's also interesting there because there are often times where Superman realizes he needs Lex's help, and that's how he he gets Lex's help is by going and saying, "Hey, you say you want to help humanity, 
this is like you just said, like this is your chance. You need to work with me or we all die. The tack he takes is the opposite. It's it's like I can't do this, Lex. I'm not good enough to do this. I need your help. Yeah. And that's when, you know, he plays on Lex Luthor's ego. And Lex Luthor knows that, but he also knows it's true that Superman can't do it by himself. Mm-hmm. And now Lex Luthor can prove he can one up Superman by rescuing the world with him. Yeah. Well, we've we've talked about Lex Luthor. We've talked about Doomsday a bit. Mm-hmm. What about uh, a couple other one of his main villains, uh, General Zod? General Zod, leader of the Kryptonian military before its end. Mm-hmm. He attempts to take over in a coup and fails, foiled by Jor-El, uh, Kal-El's father, who is Superman. Um, and then he is banished to the Phantom Zone for 40 years. And in the first storyline, Superman, after the 40 years, because the sentence is up, releases him. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And what does he do? He tries to take over Earth. Why? Because that's what he does. No. <laughs> because now, he thinks... I guess, that, I guess the way that, that they do it in the movie, and I don't know... I, I don't think I've ever read a comic book that had to do with General Zod, honestly. Mm-hmm. Is, does the movie accurately portray where he's, he's trying to kind of terraform almost so that yes. to rebuild Krypton? Yes, he looks at humans as ants because... We are? Well, because uh, technology-wise, culture-wise, and in this situation, power-wise, which he didn't actually have before the Yellow Sun, mm-hmm. he sees humans as inferior. Their minds are weaker. And so, yeah, he wants to take over the Earth, create a new Kryptonian species based off of him, and he does have help from or could get help from other people in the Phantom Zone, because there are a lot of Kryptonians in the Phantom Zone who have been mm-hmm. banished there for life. And like even if he just released them to kill them and get their DNA, he could potentially create a new Krypton. Mm-hmm. That's where I think it's interesting. He's got a, a decent rogues gallery as well, just simply because there, there are ways of writing those stories. And, mm-hmm. and something like that, that's a noble cause. Kind of like Spider-Man villains. There's always a noble cause that's there. They're just kind of going about it in a bad way. His is a survival of the fittest, and he believes Kryptonians are the fittest, and that he is the fittest to lead. So they're like Mandalorians. So General Zod could get a Darksaber. Anyway, so it's... (laughs) um, Another very interesting villain that I like a lot is Brainiac. I think it's very interesting. Now... Again, there's there's different stories with different mm-hmm. origins. There's different Brainiacs, of course, and different storylines. Yeah. The one I like is the one where basically Brainiac was developed on Krypton as kind of like the main computer and like a, basically a data bank of all their stored knowledge. Yes. And ends up kind of basically going rogue and des- decides wants to absorb all the knowledge in the universe and basically kind of hops and skips from culture to culture, absorbs the knowledge, bottles a city... And destroys the planet. Yeah, there are a lot of different versions of Brainiac, and they'll call him like Brainiac 3, Brainiac 5, Brainiac mm-hmm. 13. Um, and in one of the original stories, he was like the core knowledge of Krypton, and he develops a superiority complex, I guess you could say. He views the Kryptonians as ants, and that they're wrong and their culture has failed. Mm-hmm. And so he, in some of the stories, actively hides evidence that Krypton is ending. And so everybody, you know, Jor-El's like, the world is ending. We need to do something about it. 
And they're like, no, Brainiac says you're wrong. You know, Brainiac knows everything. They really dive into that. In, did you ever watch Krypton, the series? I did not. Um, they really dive into that mm-hmm. in that series. And they, talk, they, they show how that worked and how Brainiac did that and how it developed. I think one of the other storylines for Brainiac is he's from a race of living computers. And so the different Brainiacs are actually different Brainiacs, mm-hmm. just with a little bit of the inheritance of a previous one. Have you seen uh, Legion? I think it's Legion of Superheroes, but basically the future yeah. Justice Brainiac League. Brainiac 13? Oh, that I was Brainiac was, 5. Okay, yeah, that one's Brainiac 5. Yeah, basically he's like a teenager. But 13 is, I think, one of the ones that fights Superman in the comics sometimes. But in that one, yeah, basically there's like a, a council of Brainiacs with that collect, hmm. collect all the knowledge, and he is kind of... Brainiac 5 has disconnected from the basically hive mind of the Brainiacs mm-hmm. um, and, and is working with the superheroes instead. And th- there's a storyline in that where he has to reconnect to them in order to gain the knowledge he needs to stop something. I don't remember what it was. And in doing so, ends up getting corrupted by the Brainiac. Basically, it's almost like the hive mind has like a virus that corrupts them into mm-hmm. wanting to destroy everything as they collect the, the knowledge. It's, it's an interesting storyline, but yeah, I, I like the idea that there's multiple Brainiacs with different, like, a big hive mind, but they can kind of work independently of each other as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of good stories there. Um, yeah. Kind of leads me into a, a big question that comes ar- around a lot. Is it difficult to write a Superman story because he's so powerful? I think it's kind of depends on what the writer's vision is. Like, what do they want from Superman? Do they want to write the, you know, him fighting Bizarro, him fighting General Zod, Darkseid? Do they want to write the big stories? And kind of what is the rest of the that universe doing right now? Like, are other people's stories leading up to a Darkseid adventure? I say adventure, but a Darkseid attack or, you know, yeah. thing like that. Or do they want to write his interactions with Jimmy Olsen, mm-hmm. you know, and how... You know, Jimmy Olsen has his little watch that puts out a uh, sonic signal that only Superman can hear. <laughs> like, do you want to do a Lois Lane damsel in distress where she yeah. puts herself in some situation that she shouldn't have, like in the middle of a ma- mafia or something? Right. Yeah, that's, I guess to me, the reason I never really got into DC is because everybody's so powerful. To me, it, mm-hmm. it's... It's like, okay, yeah, they've got to keep developing people even more powerful. And Marvel yeah. ended up in the same way, where everybody becomes so ultimately powerful. It's like, well, where's... It, it all comes down to the writing and, and yeah. trying to make it interesting. Both of the companies kind of develop similar characters throughout the work year. Yeah, throughout the years. You mean stole characters from each other. Yes, stole characters <laughs> from each other. Where you can still see them. Um, I think Marvel's version was Hyperion. There's a couple. There's Hyperion, and then there's Sentry. Yeah, Sentry. Yeah. It, it becomes difficult. But but also, like you said, I mean, there's one of your favorite stories was him simply just walking across the United States and encountering normal people. Yeah. He, you know, there's a subplot behind there. There's somebody who has been influenced by a shard from New Krypton's destruction, and she's attacking his mind, basically, mm-hmm. making him doubt himself. Yeah, and I think that's another kind of thing that goes into that for me is Superman is incredibly powerful, but then 
he constantly becomes more and more powerful because as they develop villains and different things, like at one point he's telekinetic, at one point he's telepathic, and mm-hmm. he seems to get these powers and then lose them again. And it, it's, I, I think just a lot of times writers just, they, they can't find ways of writing the stories because they think that he has to be overpowered by something instead of grounding him and making him relate to other people. I think it's kind of the same thing in Justice League, uh, where a lot of stories end up like, they're like, Superman, go take care of all of those people way over there while we focus on the core over here. And it's just a way of getting Superman off the page because he could have fixed whatever the problem is in 20 Mm -hmm. seconds if he was present. It's kind of one of the problems I see in most of the Justice League stories I've seen is that they start off with the core Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Green Lantern, you know, Aquaman, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, eventually they introduce other characters, but it still centers around the core. Whereas like the Avengers, they cycle through heroes throughout the years. And so while the Avengers is still there, it's evolved through time. Whereas a lot of the Justice League stories are just a rehashing of the same. Yeah. The same story. Which is why, like, every five years they start from scratch again, it seems like. Whereas they shouldn't. There should have some conflict that makes Superman step away, which they've done before. Yeah. But then you still have the same other core people doing it. Um, It is, as you said, like, the, the powerfulness of the main DC heroes makes it harder for the other ones. Yeah, because, you know, people want to see a Wonder Woman story because she's so powerful. But, you know, who wants to see what is it? Red Tornado. Yeah. Red Tornado. Red Tornado. The Android. The Android. Yes. Yep. I had to pull out. I know he was in the Justice League at one point. Well, that's why uh, if you go into New 52, Mm -hmm. uh, are you familiar with New 52 very much? Uh, I started reading them when they first came out. I liked what they did with the stories. I I did, too. So basically kind of the idea why they did that was Justice League just got so big. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what what they said. It was like 180 characters or something like that that were part of the Justice League. It was just huge. So they basically just kind of scrapped it and started over with 52 members. Mm-hmm. Um, There's only 52 heroes in the Justice League and, and whatnot, uh, just to try to limit it a little bit because it just got to be too big. Okay. Whereas like Avengers, not to compare them too much, but Avengers was just kind of split into different teams. Instead of like one big Avengers team, there was the Great Lakes Avengers, the West Coast Avengers, right? You know, et cetera, et cetera, uh, splitting up into different teams to do different things in different areas. Um I I also found it interesting if you look at how Justice League kind of transformed and you know was just Justice Society of America and, mm-hmm. and you know kind of where really they were just kind of there to work together and and stand on the same page, but then it eventually evolved into we are monitoring everything from all over the universe from space and we're trying to stop things before they get to Earth and it just becomes so big. You know, it, it yeah, makes I for can, interesting stories, but it's hard to relate on a human level. Yeah, difference in approach there between DC and Marvel. Like in DC, what I'm seeing is that the Earth is the center of the universe and that all the stories center around Earth. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Marvel, you have characters like Guardians of the Galaxy and occasionally like Thor will be somewhere else. Right. Where, like, where, it and has they're constantly no- going like, why does it always end up back at Earth? Earth doesn't matter. Yeah. 
where yeah, where Earth like is a planet in the galaxy, but not necessarily any more important than any other. Yeah, in, in DC, Earth becomes very, very important to a lot of people, whereas in Marvel, Earth is basically a pain in the ass that they're trying to get rid of, mm-hmm. space-wise anyway. But yeah, I just yeah. think it's kind of going back a little bit to you know the leagues themselves and how Superman relates to the leagues. It has to become so big in order for Superman to be part of it. Otherwise, he just fixes it so fast. How do you write a story where Batman's involved with yeah. Superman and and still write an interesting story? You involve the su- entire universe. Yeah, because Superman Green could Superman could do anything that Batman yeah. could do in darkest half a second. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that that becomes again going back to is it difficult to write a story? I guess you almost have to go more of a. Uh, psychological story like writing a superman standalone story would then be easy but yeah as you said like writing in with other characters becomes difficult yeah did you um i'll come back to what i was just about to say there's uh, going back to what i was saying earlier and i just kind of had the thought as i started saying it of having batman and superman trying to work together on something scientific like curing cancer or something you could easily write a story where in the process of trying to develop something that would heal people they develop parasite or, or something, and and you can tie it all kind of together there. I don't know that that might be kind of interesting. But um, did you ever watch that? Uh, going back to the the uh, Legion of Superheroes, the Future Justice League, basically. Did you ever watch that see the that series or anything, or did you ever get into that? I think I watched a few of them, but I don't think I ever watched like consistently. The the interesting thing there is basically in the in the future. They develop the Justice Society or whatever it's named, like Legion of Superheroes. That's what it's called, Legion of Superheroes. They develop it based off of Superman's example because <laughs> Superman was such a historically great, good superhero. Mm-hmm. And they encounter problems where they need Superman's help, so they go back in time to enlist his help. But they end up going back to when he was a, like basically a teenager. Yeah, and so. They bring him forward, and he doesn't know how to be a hero yet. So they're basically teaching him and showing him what he had done in the past. So basically, he develops into Superman by watching himself as Superman in the future. And I just think that's an interesting thing, to see the development of Teenager to Superman in, in that, that series. short run that I was talking about starting at 700 episode, or sorry, comic 700, Superman from the Superman and women from the future come back and get him to inspire him because he's having this moral crisis and there is a league of supermen and it is literally like hundreds of supermen who have a fortress of solidarity outside of time (laughs) and space like oh yeah we all have a fortress of solitude where we can be alone but this is where we can be together but it's literally like hundreds of supermen from different time periods who come together and work together and they all have like the s on their chest and it's kind of Again, it makes Superman bigger. Yeah. Because now, like, superheroes, some of the superheroes in the future are now Superman, too, and all wear the cape and the S, and some are gorillas, some are conscious thoughts. One of them is a sentient solar system. (laughs) And it's, like, bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's, like... Yeah, I can see where... As we talk more, I can definitely see where he becomes too powerful for storytelling. Yeah, it can be difficult. When he's, as I said, when he's by himself, it works out fine. But when you start putting him with other characters, they can't match his powers. Yeah, yeah, it's very difficult. And that's like, again, 
That's why in a lot of those stories, he has to end up going away yeah. somewhere in order to have another one. I do really like, uh, kind of going back to like Feats and how powerful he is, I think it's Batman Superman Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's a story where Supergirl comes to Earth and is, and is basically kidnapped by Darkseid, et cetera, et cetera. Raised by Granny. Yeah. So as, as part of that story, they're actually on Themyscira. Mm-hmm. And they get attacked. They hear a boom tube and they go. And all of a sudden, there's like hundreds of doomsdays coming at them. And they're fighting them. And eventually, Batman realizes that, oh, hey, this is a distraction. And Superman's like, oh, okay, I'll take care of it. And he just flies up and just basically widens his heat vision to the entire width of the beach and just fries all of the doomsdays immediately. Mm-hmm. And then they go off to do the thing. I'm like, that, that kind of goes back to he's just holding back all the time. Well, it was in the death of Superman, as I said, like he fights doomsday to the death. But later on, an evil Superman comes and just lobotomizes start, or doomsday yeah. like, like that and it's over. Yeah. Because Superman doesn't want to kill or do anything like evil like that. Right, right, right. He wants to he wants to solve things as easily as possible, with the least damage possible, mm-hmm. uh, rather than just unleashing and taking care of it right away. Um, that was that was actually one of the other things I didn't like about uh, the Superman movie was when he's fighting General Zod in Metropolis, like he does mm-hmm. not do anything to try and pull the fight outside the city. Yeah. They're literally just bowling through buildings and skyscrapers and other things, and Superman doesn't do anything to try and pull it out of that. And I was like, no, Superman should be trying to do this. And well, that's that was, what, yeah. But they had to do it that fan. way so that Bruce Wayne would be mad. Yep, exactly. <laughs> or angry. Yeah. Or <laughs> angrier. <laughs> so we, we talked a little bit about uh, some of the characters and how they viewed Superman uh, when we talked about the. Uh, uh, Legion of Superheroes. That's mm-hmm. the thing. I don't know why I struggle with that. So they kind of see him as, you know, he is the golden god, the the what we need to live up to. How do other characters see him? I, I know a lot of them kind of see him as just basically the Boy Scout or, you know, he's... Sometimes they see him as, oh, that's what we aspire to be. Sometimes they see him as uh, an alien that can't be trusted. W- what do you think? What Do you think different characters see him different ways? I think on a moral standpoint, a lot of characters kind of compare themselves to him. And the point is like he is a symbol and that they kind of aspire to be better because of him. But then on the power aspect, like how can you not compare yourself to him as well? Like I'm struggling to stop this supervillain that can shoot beams, whereas Superman could have just stopped him in an instant. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what's the point? And then you come into comics where characters are separated in their own things or in their own like areas so that you don't have that conflict of powers. Mm. You know, like um, one of the best examples is actually Marvel, and that's the mutants. Like mutants are being prosecuted against. They exist in the same world as, you know, Tony Stark, the Hulk, Spider-Man. But those characters never show up when it's about mutants and humans hating mutants because, yeah, because it would we not do work. A, yeah, we could do a whole other yeah. episode on that. And it's the same in DC Universe and Superman, like, as we pointed out, like, writing him with other characters, he is so much more powerful than them. 
Like, how can you write another character into a story man or a Superman story without the other character just dragging him down? Yeah. Well, it actually wasn't Superman. It was in. It was in the. Um, I was talking about the basically the intro, the New Fifty Two. Yeah. Intro Justice League, where they're trying to recruit Batman. Basically, Batman's in a car chase scene, and it's it's actually Green Lantern, Lantern that does it, but very similar way where Green Lantern sees what's going on captures the bad guy immediately he's like here you go i did that for you now i need to talk to you and batman's like why did you do that he's like yeah. well you know you were chasing him i, I just stopped him. he's like i didn't want to catch him yet i was trying to make him scared so, where where's the sources where is he getting the information from who does he report to now i don't have any of that information to stop what's really happening mm-hmm. because you just flew in and took care of this haphazardly and i think that's an interesting way that again a dynamic between somebody least like well like batman that's basically no powers whatsoever versus somebody that's got a lot of power they don't understand mm-hmm. the way each other are going to go about things and I, I think that's an interesting thing like batman hates being carried by superman because it <laughs> it kind of takes away from the fear that he's trying to instill because that's what he has to do in order to do what he does and and i think it's interesting he he sees superman as basically one of his best friends. Mm-hmm. He trusts him as much as he can trust anybody, but at the same time, he distrusts him enough that he's got an entire vault full of kryptonite to stop him at any point if he needs yeah. to. And I just think that's an interesting dynamic. And then Wonder Woman. How does Wonder Woman view him? Because she's almost as powerful. Mm-hmm. So she's not really looking up to him in a way of, oh my God, he, he's so fantastically powerful. She's looking at him as... She was trained as a warrior, and so she kind of views right. him as another warrior in their quest for protecting the world. But at the same time, he's a pacifist in her yes. eyes. Yes, and so she actually disdains him in that regard. Yeah, She looks down on him for how good he is a lot of the time, how he's you know not willing to throw the punch that could knock the villain out. He just roughs them up a little bit and right. wraps them in a steel girder or something. I don't know how the police remove a steel girder, but <laughs> <laughs> lots of butter. <laughs> lots of butter. <laughs> yeah, that 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 can be interesting too, and just the way they see each other and they interact with each other. Uh, I I see there's sometimes jealousy involved mm-hmm. in, with some of the characters in the Justice League, uh, how they interact with each other. I think most people just see him as you know the man of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. He he's who everybody aspires to be. He's the symbol, like you said before. Um, do you think that kind of takes away? Does, does that bog down on the character a little bit? It weighs on him. Yeah, where he, he feels like he has to live up to it. Because in some situations, it would be easier to just fly in, destroy everything that the mm-hmm. villain has done or made, and then fly away. Whereas like he does do it better than Green Lantern did in that situation because at that point he has been a superhero for a while. Mm. And as a reporter and sitting next to Lois Lane every day, he does get the investigative reporter aspect, and that is the type of reporter he is. Right. And definitely she is. She's the type who throws herself into a situation, tries to go undercover to reveal the mob's plan, and needs to be rescued at the end by the big, strong hero. So even while they make Lois Lane as a strong female character, 
she still has to be protected by Superman's powers. But yeah. she also relies on that, knowing that he'll be there. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, I kind of rolled my eyes there. Yeah, that that gets to me a lot. And how Super- Lois Lane will just kind of throw herself into situations knowing that she'll be saved. She, yeah, as you said earlier, she's she views herself as larger than life. Yeah. And who's worthy of Superman except for her? Yeah, that can be... Uh, kind of goes back to, again, struggling to write stories sometimes there, too. Mm-hmm. How does somebody like Superman relate? And why is he so drawn to Lois Lane? Versus other people, and I, I, another thing I really liked about um, the new Fifty Two version is it. It was a while before he started dating Lois Lane because he was actually dating Wonder Woman for a while, and that made mm-hmm. a lot more sense uh, in in my my view. But then they ended up splitting up, and he ended up going to to Lois, and that was a whole different dynamic as well. But I, I guess my my final thing that I want to ask you, if you have an answer to this. Is there anything you would like to see done with the character? It's a difficult question. Yes, it is. <laughs> like I said, I for me, I would like to see more to do with the science side of things, where he's trying to say, you know, stop global warming. See if he can find a way of doing that. Um, see if he can help Elon Musk find a way to colonize Mars. Um, maybe Martian Manhunter gets involved in that, and maybe they find a way of trying to work together and bring back the Martians in some way. Then you get into the realm of sci-fi and science there. Um, Yeah. I've I've read sci-fi stories where when they're colonizing a planet, they'll take a comet and redirect it towards a barren planet. And the point being the comet's a lot of ice and water Mm -hmm. and the planet's not, has, doesn't have anything living right now. So it doesn't like destroy the planet atmosphere or cover it in dust to mm-hmm. you know hit it real hard and so like in in that regard it you terraform it by adding water adding heat or adding an atmosphere i wonder if because superman's so powerful and so many of those those comments and and, and meteors are so rich with resources would superman's powers be better used by harnessing those resources he could. He could find some meter or asteroid that was like heavy in iron or steel and bring it back and put it into orbit over Earth. Drill out a core and then like people could start t- I mean. dismantling it and rebuild it into like a colony ship or something. Well, I'm just thinking simple yeah. as simple as, you know, if, you know, things like gold, like they say that a lot of those meteors are like full of gold and stuff. <laughs> Gold is a very, very useful, like if yeah, we conduct- stop, yeah, it's a really good conductor, conductor and everything. So if mm-hmm. he could go take those, slow them down, dismantle them, bring them into Earth. I know NASA has actually, like, has plans written up on how to colonize uh, Mars. And it basically begins with a base that is like half dug in to the ground to mm-hmm. shield it from solar radiation. And so he could literally just go there and make tunnels right. in the Martian landscape and like um, bring the core components that seals it off and make sure like everything is melted so that everything is airtight right. and they're not losing things. Do you think that could be a, a decent story there? Or maybe Superman's trying to help with that. And maybe in doing so, it ends up creating a conflict between him and Martian Manhunter because these 
in doing so, he's disrupting the historic, you know, whatever's that preserved. Would be interesting. The um, a lot of times, or almost all the times that I've seen Superman stories, unless they like throw it far into the future, like it generally takes place like right now. Yeah. So like the society that he's in is the one that's going on right now. It would be interesting to, you know, do a Superman twenty forty, where he mm-hmm. is where the human race is going towards colonization is trying to establish the resources. Like you set it up to where we've stopped the intergalactic threats that have been threatening us. Like dark side's gone. Other villains from space are gone now. And mm-hmm. now it's just more mundane things that a new generation of heroes can take care of. Right. So like if there's enough heroes now to take care of the things and, Superman's not needed anymore. Like, what does he do? Yeah. Well, that kind of goes into, uh, you actually let me borrow that Kingdom Come, mm-hmm. where there just becomes so many superheroes, and it kind of gets away from saving people and more about the fights, and he just kind of separates yeah. himself. Where those heroes kill the villains. Right. And that's kind of what the people wanted. Like, they, they were tired of all the villains escaping from Arkham or from, you know whatever prison that Superman's villains were going into or Batman's or Wonder Woman's or Green Lantern's. And they wanted an end to those people. And so a more violent hero came. Yeah. And it's actually one of the things like that is Batman's bottom line is he doesn't kill people. Right. And speculation on that is that like when he does kill people, like he goes megalomaniac and just starts killing villains Right, and eventually goes down the dark side. Once he crosses that line, there's no coming back to it and yeah. from it. And yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, I, I think I think the future of Superman story to create more interesting Superman stories, you almost have to stop making it bigger. Yeah, you got to condense it down to something more relatable. Something that I've seen in movies in Hollywood recently, like this. Star Wars and other things like that. They go big when they shouldn't, and they go small when they should go big. Yeah. And it's like there are times where it's better to make it smaller. Right. Like the original Superman, the Superman of that time was, you know, could stop a a bullet, could run faster than a locomotive, could leap over a tall building. Like we're not talking about the Empire State Building with 100 floors. We're talking about a tall building that's, you know, 30 or 40 floors. Right, right. Well, actually... Maybe not even that tall. The original Superman was actually basically super-powered Lex Luthor. Yeah. Yeah, he was evil. (laughs) I was reading that, and I was like, huh, that's interesting. Yeah, it was an evil telepath, and then they decided to reform him. They were trying to get serialized in newspaper comics, and basically kept getting turned down over and over again, and then they split up the writer and the artist, and... The writer tried to use other artists, and they kept getting turned down yeah. and leaving. And then, so I got writer Jerry Siegel yeah. and artist Joe Schuster. Yep, I'm gonna throw credit to Bill Finger in there as well. I know he had nothing to do with Superman, but he's just owed credit for many years of being ignored. He helped create Batman. Okay, but Bob Kane took all the credit, and Bill Finger was snubbed for what for 80, 70 years. I don't know, snubbed for a long time. He just recently got credit. Yeah, but. I know that. When they finally did get serialized in action comics, they signed over the rights to Superman almost immediately because that was standard. Yeah. So they and didn't see that for much. For pocket change, basically. For pocket change. Yeah. I think I think total, I think in modern money, it was something like $2,000. Is 
Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't much. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else about Superman you want to talk about? Oh, we could talk about Superman forever. We could. How There's we... a lot there. But again, yeah, he's almost and that, that's he's such an interesting character, but he's really hard to talk about because he's just a he's so widely known, but b he's so powerful. Mm-hmm. How uh, it kind of goes back to the writing the story thing. I got to give credit to to the actors who played Superman. And the writers who wrote those stories, you know, whether it's Christopher Reeves or Tom Welling or mm-hmm. um, just anybody else, um, you got to talk about Christopher Reeves. You know, like you can't talk about Superman without talking about him. All right, let's talk about him. <laughs> uh, that was it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Christopher no, Reeves. Was, what I mean, he was kind of the perfect Superman, especially was, in that time period. It was. It was. It was sad. You know, he was injured in a car wreck. I think. Um. What? No, it was a horse. Horse. Okay. Yeah, I think you got bucked off a horse. It's been so long since I read that story that. Okay, so Christopher Reeves was thrown from a horse. Yep. And which is why he didn't. Although I know Superman three didn't do too well. I think it just recouped its money, and that was it. Uh, it four. Out. Okay. Yeah, the one with Nuclear Man. Okay, three also just recouped its money. Yeah, I don't remember which one three was. Three was um, with, let's see, you had the uh, the man who found out he was really good at computers, and so he creates a helps create a false kryptonite, a synthetic kryptonite that puts tar in it instead of the unknown element that they detect, and that ends up like twisting Superman and he splits into two and fights himself. Oh yeah. And then at the end, like the supercomputer like takes over uh the man or whatever and wants to kill everybody. <laughs> That's why I don't remember that because I hated that episode. That one. It was very campy and kind of silly yeah. while you know Christopher Reeves acting was um held up as very good and Yeah. yeah. I mean it all, it all comes down to the writing. Yeah. And a lot of stuff. He was kind of goes to like like uh, Brandon Ruth. I really like Brandon Ruth as Superman in Superman Returns, but it's just the writing. Yeah, it and the, the point, story. The point of that man or that movie was to take place right after Superman or a little bit after Superman Four, where he goes off to try and find. Um, uh, yeah, he's trying to find. There was a remnants of Krypton. Yeah, and then he comes back years later, and this is Superman Returns. Yeah. And so they chose an actor who looks a lot like Christopher Reeves. Yeah, he's actually from here. No, he actually. So that's an interesting thing. He actually went to high school with Jason Momoa. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, they were they were on. I think it was a soccer team. They were on a soccer team together in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, that suffered a lot. Just the writing. I, I think yeah. they they struggled with having a son and and whatnot and it being a big land scheme real estate scheme by Lex Luthor and yeah I don't know I like that movie the one of the things I love about Christopher Reeves is even near the time of his death he was um, going through an experimental treatment Mm -hmm. for his uh, paralyzed legs and it was like these little electrodes that were meant to stimulate his muscles so that his muscles would flex and it would help build muscle mm-hmm. so that um, the therapy could potentially allow him to walk again. So even at the end of it, near the end of his life, like he was still fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only thing <laughs> that just makes me think of the, the 
South Park episode. Did you I, ever watch that one? I don't think I did. Oh, basically it was it was about stem cells. Mm-hmm. And basically the idea was Christopher Reeve was using stem cells to try to rebuild uh, the connection. And then uh, Gene Hackman, who played Lex Luthor in the movies, was trying to stop him from using aborted fetuses. And it kind of got to a point where <laughs> Christopher Reeve was getting the stem cells by literally taking aborted fetuses, breaking them open, and sucking the <laughs> it out. And it was like, you'll never stop me, Hackman! <laughs> and kept doing it. And that's ended up being like super powerful because of all the stem cells. And that's very, that's and, very South Park. Yeah, it is. It was, it was hilarious to me. Uh, what do you think of Henry Canville as Superman? Got to say, he looks like Superman. He's got the square square jaw. Mm-hmm. Um, I take back what I said earlier. The worst thing to happen to Superman was that CGI mouth. <laughs> oh God, yes. <laughs> I didn't. I knew nothing about it. The whole that whole time I was watching them, were like, what is wrong with his mouth? I I had heard it and then forgotten it, and then right before I went to see the movie, somebody mentioned it again. And I watching the movie, I was, was like, Jim, no. Wasn't it? I'm betting it was Jim. I think it was somebody at work. No. But yeah, it was. <laughs> he was filming a movie for. It was Mission Impossible. Yeah, filming Mission Impossible, and he had the the mustache. The mustache on that one. Yeah, the contract he couldn't he couldn't shave it, but they had yeah. to come back and, and so do reshoots. His top lip was a little too long, tall, and yeah, it was just weird septum, looking. Yeah. Yeah. I think Henry Canville plays the part really well. I think he the does. issues with those movies are just is just the writing. And I really hope he keeps going. I really hope he makes more. Uh, DC he says he just rushed. To. Like they yeah. wanted to catch up to Marvel, who had a franchise, right? And they tried to do it in two movies. Yeah, they tried to pack 10, 12 movies into two, yeah. and it didn't work. Batman versus Superman, the death and life of Superman. Yeah, yeah, Justice League, Dark Side. So who who is your favorite? What actor is your favorite portrayal? It's, I can't say I have one. Uh, Movie-wise, it's Christopher Reeves. But I also love um, Tom Welling in Smallville. He plays a uh, great teenage Superman, even though I think he was 26 when he started. Pretty standard. Yeah, pretty standard. And then Dean Cain's portrayal of Clark Kent in Lois and Clark. Um, It's... I like Lois and Clark because the special effects do still hold up. They didn't try and go big with all their special effects. They tried mm-hmm. to keep them uh, minimal, acceptable. Because it's more of a human story than a yeah. Superman story. Um, it gets campy sometimes when, like, uh, Taxi drives past them and he uses his super breath to suck it back <laughs> with the wheels squealing. But, like, there's one scene where he's talking to his parents, like, they're in the same room. And he's got to go. And his mother's like, but I made you a sandwich. And so he sits there and he picks it up. And then he super speeds, eats it while his parents at normal speed, like look at each other. And she's like, he does this every time. And he's like, and his father kind of shrugs. And so just being able to, and I understand it was probably made with film, which means that somebody had to go through frame by frame and cut out Dean Kane. Oh yeah. And then put them like tape them with the little, tape tape <laughs> onto another reel to make the scene but like just the way the that special effect holds up yeah like it doesn't look cheap or like bad cgi because they didn't they couldn't use cgi back then it right. wasn't like a developed technology do you think anybody has played the character poorly 
besides whoever the drunk guy in the 30s. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that, but yeah, there was that. Um, I don't think is so. He, is he it's, difficult to play? I think he's easier to play than Batman Bruce Wayne. I think he's far easier to play than mm. Batman and Bruce Wayne. Um, it's kind of the issue I have with the current Batman movies, and I think they could take a page out of Clark Kent's Superman, and they could develop the relationship between Batman and Bruce Wayne better in a movie. I agree. And that it would, once you had done that with like a new Batman actor, the rest of the movies would become easier. I wonder, because we didn't really visit Superman, Henry Canville's Superman as Clark Kent for a long period of time, so I wonder how that would work. He doesn't really... It's kind of the, as you said with Batman, like... Superman, Henry Cavill, uh, Cavill's, Henry, Henry Cavill's, <laughs> Henry Cavill Superman, uh, is, you know, great. He's a very physically imposing person. You know, he's got the muscles, a square chin, the piercing blue eyes, or I don't know if they change his eyes in that. I don't remember. I don't know. But the Clark Kent in that regard is an afterthought. Yeah. Like, yeah, he kisses Lois Lane yeah, he's on the farm in Justice League trying to find himself again after being revived. But it's... Basically, once he leaves the farm, he's just Superman. Yeah, it's just a nod yeah. to the farm that he grew up on. Like, it's not actually Clark Kent. It's just Superman trying yeah. to find himself again. Yeah, that kind of... Because to me, I I think Henry Canville's Superman is one of my favorite portrayals just simply because he shows that conflict of... To me, anyways, of I've got to be careful. I've, I don't want to hurt anybody. He tries to stay upbeat, but he's also very serious at the same time. It's also a step forward into modern CGI. Or, yeah, modern special effects, sorry. Yeah. So, like, the scene where the Justice League is fighting him at the monument to him. Mm-hmm. And, like, you see Flash, like, running super speed. That's my favorite part. And of the then movie. Superman just kind of turns to them and starts following him because Superman is also super fast. And you see, like, Flash, start, like, his eyes get wide and he starts like, to freak out. He's, he's like, like, oh, shit. This guy is fast. <laughs> shit. Yeah. And then, yeah. That's my favorite part of that movie. It is. It's, it is an amazing CGI and amazing, like, special effects fight scene. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah that's and that's that's right. I don't know if he's my favorite just because the effects have caught up mm-hmm. to be able to portray him better, or if it's the actor portrayal. I haven't quite been able to figure that out. There's not enough there for me to decide. That we yet. talked about. I how, need more Clark Kent out of him to decide that. Yeah, we talked about how Superman is too powerful, but because of movies and limit of budgets and CGI, like you have to tone him down from his greatest abilities because they do not translate well to a fight as well because like yeah you're if you're fighting through skyscrapers you have to pay for the cgi for the skyscrapers to break right you have to pay for the better real buildings yeah you have to pay for the better cgi so that all the bits and pieces that fall off fall and are believable in gravity like they don't shoot out and then like do this weird thing where they don't fall in an arc they just stop right. and fall suddenly or right. do a little cartoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, I think that's all we have for today. I would really like to thank Reese for joining me. Thank you for listening to Fanboy and the Hater. We really appreciate it and would love to hear your feedback. Give us a rating. Write a review. 
Reach out to us on Twitter at Fanboy and Hater. Email us at thefanboyandthehater at gmail.com. You can find all of our episodes on our website, fanboyandhater.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Where you can download the free Podbean mobile app for Android and iOS. You can also find us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more. Once again, thanks for listening to The Fanboy and the Hater.